This is Kristen Nicole Young, and you're listening to the Headbands and Hard Truth Podcast. You're my first guest on the podcast, so thank you for being on the podcast and uh, just giving your time and and doing this. So um, I just want, can you explain just a little bit, can you just give a little bit of information about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, some things that you're passionate about, So, and we'll get started. Yeah, um, so I'm Hongman. I am a Korean Christian conservative, as I market myself. Um, I kind of want to get away from that because everyone, everyone, when everyone meets me in person, they're like, oh my gosh, you're a Korean Christian conservative. <laughs> um, but yeah, my name is Kangman. It's spelled uh, like K-A-N-G-M-I-N. I always say it's like Kingman, but you switch the vowels. Anyways, I, I'm a speaker, commentator, and I'm actually kind of an actor as well. And so I just do a lot of different things. But basically, I rant on the internet. I'm very passionate about a lot of things, uh, especially regarding theology, culture, politics and things happening today but my main passions really are to abolish abortion in this generation uh, to preach the gospel to the lost and just to open the eyes of people just to understand like what actually is going on because um satan he you know is a deceiver and one of the ways that he operates so effectively in the world is to deceive not only people outside the church but within the church as well so I want to shed light to the truth about actually what's going on in the world so that people wake up and, you know, say no to the spirit of the age. Sure. I love that. And I feel a very similar, like, passion and calling and to um, share the truth about what's really going on in the world. And so that kind of goes into the first question, like the first kind of talking point I want to talk through is, you know, ever since the beginning of 2020, um, or I guess March of 2020, our world has literally, like it seemed like it's just gone in a downward spiral so fast. I look up some days and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did we get here? This happened so quickly. Um, and, you know, you see you see a lot of division in uh, believers and the church and also kind of just the lingo among Christians of, oh, we really shouldn't be talking about that. Or mm, I don't really get into politics, especially since last year was an election year. Um, and there were a lot of believers who, at least that I heard, that I uh, knew personally, that I saw on the Internet, that... Um, just kind of a widespread thought is that, you know, we don't really get into politics. We don't really talk about that kind of stuff. Um, and honestly, <laughs> it's been such a challenging thing to navigate because as believers, we should be wanting to talk about these things, you know, like we should be uh, wanting to talk about what's going on in the world. We should be wanting to and feel an obligation to talk about these things that are going on as we learn about them because everything is spiritual, right? Like the gospel impacts everything. And for us to take a back seat from engaging in politics or talking about abortion or talking about homosexuality or talking about vaccines because those are all really controversial topics is honestly a cop-out, I believe, um, and I think that, you know, maybe some people are, are scared to talk about it or, you know, like don't really want to, to wade into those waters. So I really want to talk about, like, why do Christians need to speak up about these things? Like, why is it important for Christians to be educated on these matters, to um, deem these matters important to talk about? And, um, 
and and why should the church just not bury our head in the sand and just you know tout the whole message of oh well you know Jesus will come back one day and we just need to love everybody, um, which might sound great on the surface, but then people aren't being shepherded, right? So I want can you touch on that a little bit about why Christians should be yeah. speaking up about what's going on in the world? Of course, um, because you touched on this, you know, very you know distinctly, you know, succinctly. Uh, the gospel affects every part of our life and every sphere of society. So it's weird that so many Christians say, um, you know, we shouldn't talk about politics. You know, we're not left or right. We're just, we're above political affiliation and political ideology. We're just, you know, we're, we're Christians. And I'm like, okay, but then you don't do that with any other sphere of society when we talk about entertainment, when we talk about um, you know, or when we talk about, you know, in your workplace, you know, you look at these trends, they out of politics, but they always encourage their congregation to be a light, to preach your gospel, preach the gospel to uh, your coworkers or things like that. But the, the more that Christians bury the he- their heads in the sand, the more that evil thrives. And so we're made to be a, a light, like a city on the hill. We're, we're supposed to be the salt and light in the world. But then we're just hiding on their lampshade we're like oh, i'm scared you know and we're losing our saltiness and we're not doing anything in the world we're supposed to be we're called to be in the world but not of the world we're called to influence culture we're called to bring the hope and the peace and the love that we have in in the gospel of jesus christ and in relationship with him to a broken hurting confusing chaotic world but christians are like yeah but you know not politics though not politics that's just too controversial and while you're burying your head in the sand, babies are being torn apart limb to limb. Mm-hmm. Children are being sexualized, right? And, you know, politics has always kind of like, I guess, after the Civil Rights Act, kind of been more relegated to, like, tax policy and foreign policy, right? And then it's like, okay, maybe you could have been apolitical. But even then, I don't think you as a Christian could have been apolitical. What I, what I mean by that is that we look at Afghanistan right now. We look at Biden's disastrous with, withdrawal. Um, and so when we think about what that effect is, well, we have over 15,000 Americans still stranded there, missionary families being beheaded, Afghan Christians, the church now, you know, being complete, they're being tortured and really, really inhumanely persecuted by the Taliban, all enabled by Biden. Mm-hmm. And then there, Christians still say, Oh, pray for Afghanistan. I'm like, no, you needed, we needed to be a church where we could have used our vote to influence our government to have a leader, a political leader that would not have led, have had led to the destabilization of Afghanistan to give away the whole Afghanistan country to a bunch of desert terrorists in three days. Mm-hmm. That was Trump. Trump had a plan in place. He had he and Mike Pompeo worked together to make sure that they had a deal, a peace deal with the Taliban, so that they could withdraw mm-hmm. troops, and they could withdraw American citizens, and withdraw Afghan allies, so that the church wouldn't, you know, all these Christians wouldn't be, you know, beheaded and their children and women raped. And so when you think about that, like Trump had a plan in place, everyone's like, oh no, Biden, you know, it would have been the same thing. Trump tried to withdraw. Biden was just trying to expand on Trump's plan. No, he didn't. The State Department under Biden, literally this past June, scrapped, scrapped, tore apart, and ignored Trump's plan. 
and people don't know this. And Christians are parroting the same lies and propaganda from the mainstream media, and they are coming into alignment with the demonic agenda. It is not of God where, like, it, it's not a God thing where it's, you know, where, where we would want to desire or should desire that Christians be beheaded. And then yet Christians still say, oh, we, we just, I'm going to stay out of politics. Like, no, politics is infused with theology. You can't separate the two because your theology will inform your politics. Your theology, the Bible says about commerce, the economy, uh, how we engage with culture, family, um, our role as Christians under the government, our role in, you know, just in life. How do we treat others? What do we do? What do we do for our public officials? All these things are laid out so clearly in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And all our politics is affected by our theology because people say, oh, you can't legislate morality. No, you absolutely can because all legislation is based on some form of morality. Mm -hmm. For example, I... I can't defame you or dox you, and that's illegal. Why? Because it's wrong. Um, you know, we're not allowed to murder each other. Why? Because it's wrong. We're not allowed to, you know, steal. We're not allowed to commit all these other crimes, uh, run over people with a car, all these heinous stuff. We, we're not allowed to do that. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's wrong. Because God says it's wrong. A lot of and people don't realize is that America our judicial system is largely based on Levitical law. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, well, for example, um, the idea that we need more we need more than one eyewitness in order to testify in court. That's a, that's a biblical thing. That was not seen in any other court in history until, yeah, un, un, unless it was under, you know, biblical law or it was under, you know, the American justice system inspired by law. So all that to say, Theology is infused with politics, and in an ever-increasing age where everything has become political, especially just, just the statement, men are not women, mm -hmm. that is political. How that is political, that is just a testament to the crazy times we live in today, mm -hmm. but everything has become political, and Christians find more and more excuses to stay out of politics. Why? Because they idolize their comfort, they idolize mm -hmm. their safety, and their security mm -hmm. more than the gospel more than the truth more than god's commandments to the world and yes. this is where christians use this idea that i'm going to be apolitical because you know the gospel not political and they use that as some sort of rationalization to um justify their passivity and inaction because they don't want to you know suffer any sort of backlash or persecution we are promised persecution as Christians. If you're not facing any persecution from a world that hates Christ, you are doing something wrong. Mm, that is, woo, that is so good. That is absolutely. And I, that just, where we are, I think, obviously, Satan has been working like double time. I mean, he, there, the spirit realm is raging, and I... Like, I can feel it. You can almost just, it's starting to, uh, like, be physical. You can almost see the spiritual battle that has been raging. And, you know, do you think about how did we get here? Like, as a church, like, how did we get here? And you think about how lukewarm the church has been and America has allowed the American church or how, how America has allowed the church to be lukewarm because it's like, oh, we're not going to get into politics or, you know, we're not really for that. Or, you know, everybody is a Christian, quote unquote. Um, and so, 
you see this lukewarm Christianity and just like what you said is everyone is so worried about their comfort. They're so worried about not getting into politics, not stepping on toes, not getting controversial, not, you know, doing that. And so and so now you see like this huge shift because people didn't take a stand and and let scripture, let God's word inform and play out in every area of life. And we just drifted and you don't naturally drift towards righteousness. You don't naturally drift towards a holiness. You don't naturally drift towards becoming more like Christ and fighting for justice. Like you naturally drift away from the things of God. And now we're in this culture where everyone is saying, oh, it's your truth and my truth and this truth and that truth. And whoever wants to share a truth, there's no absolute truth. It's all this relativism. And you see this, this you know, sharing your truth. But look, where it's gotten us. And I love what you said about how, you know, politics and law has to be based on some kind of morality. But now when you see that the morality that it's being based off of is everybody's random truths, where does it get us? Because now if you are a man and you want to be a woman because that's your truth, well, sure, let's protect those rights and let's write that into law and let's make anything, you know, anybody who says anything against that hate speech. And then, but then it conflicts with other areas of uh, other people's rights and, you know, women's rights and all, all these things that just start to contradict each other and create this one, like, just massive amount of chaos and just everyone almost running around like a chicken with their head cut off, nobody knowing what way is up or down because we've lost all sense of what is the truth. And a- that's absolute truth. And that comes from scripture. And so, I mean, just the, a lot of, I feel like a lot of this, a lot of where like believers are right now has just stemmed from lukewarm Christianity. And we are in a spot, which there's never been a place for lukewarmness because even God says like, I will spit you out of my mouth. Um, But now, especially in our generation, because we've never really had something like this to where you have to choose one side or the other. Um, and now that we're in this place where we're at, it's it's become so polarizing because you can't just be comfortable anymore. You either have to speak up or you have to bury your head in the sand and be sucked into what all is going on. And so um, anyway, that that was that was a really good point about just how. Uh, theology informs politics and the gospel changes every aspect. And if we truly believe that Jesus has changed our lives, that Jesus is the light of the world, that Jesus is the truth, that what he says is life and that, um, and, and that we hold that truth. Like if, if the conversation is already going in the world, like the conversations are already happening. And if believers take a step back from those conversations, then what's going to be the dominant voice? It's going to be the world, which is the enemy, right? Like the 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 enemy. He he's he is ruling this um, population that is not a, a follower of Christ, that is not redeemed by the and purchased by the blood of Christ. And so, if Christians take a step back from the conversation, then where is truth going to insert itself in the conversation? You know, God has a way of making himself known and he makes himself known to all people, but he chooses to use his people and his followers to be a mouthpiece for what he is doing and for his truth. And if we just sit back because we're uncomfortable and if we sit back because we're scared 
And if we sit back because we, oh, I don't want to offend anybody or I don't want to lose friends, then that is more injustice and that is less loving to not say the truth of God's word to other people because we just idolize our comfort over that. Um, okay, and so kind of tra- not not transitioning too much, but kind of going along with like um, just believers in the lukewarm church. And, you know, I, there's been a whole lot of, I don't really think there's a lot of discernment right now among a lot of lukewarm Christians. I would say that, you know, there's this whole offshoot progressive Christianity, which I don't even know if I would say that's Christian, like Christianity, because it's a false gospel. It's a false religion. And it's just a make what you want buffet kind of uh, faith. And that's not the gospel. So I would dare even call it Christianity. Um, so, but you see all these, all these um, ideologies that have started making its way into the church. You see um, this mass acceptance of homosexuality, of, um, of, you see this mass acceptance of the social justice movement. You see this mass acceptance of just these cultural ideologies that have seeped into the church. And because we've been so lukewarm, they have, they have seemed right. And so since we have been lukewarm and not uh, digging into the truth and fighting for that and drifting away, we have just latched on to these ideologies that, you know, maybe they sound okay at the surface, but when you dive in, they are really of the enemy. They're of the devil. And so with all this stuff with masks and vaccines and lockdowns and social distancing and stuff, you know, a a common, the common rhetoric is it's loving your neighbor to wear a mask. It's loving your neighbor to get a vaccine. It's loving your neighbor to social distance, which, by the way, I would like to add, social distancing is not biblical at all. Jesus did not do that whatsoever. And I loved your post when you talked about leprosy. I've talked to my husband about that so many times. I'm like, Jesus literally touched lepers. Like, he touched them. He did not put a mask on. He did not get a vaccine. He literally touched them. Uh, and so anyway, but now we have this whole thing of like almost guilting Christians into this whole, like, you're not loving your neighbor if you don't do X, Y, and Z, if you don't wear a mask, if you don't get a vaccine, if you don't, um, social distance, if you don't comply with what the government is saying, can you speak to that a little bit? And how, how do we respond to that? How do we break that down a little bit and say, no, that's actually not biblical. And I can love my neighbor, even if I choose not to do those things. Yeah, it's completely pharisaical, um, where you look at these people, they're just smug and so, um, drenched and drunk in their self-righteousness. And they're like, wow, look at you. You're not doing this. I'm so much better than you. It is just the same thing over and over again. When you look at the word of God, it's very timeless. It always speaks to the human condition, no matter what era of humanity. And so when you think about um, the religious elite and the evangelical elite of today, very, very similar equivalences to the Pharisees. So for example, you look at Beth Moore. Um, She says that you're not following Jesus unless you get the vaccine and the mask off. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? How dare you? Mm -hmm. But when you look at what these people are doing, 
it's for a lot of people, it seems like, okay, maybe they're just kind of in the wrong. No, it's spiritual manipulation. It is the same exact thing that Robbie Zacharias did. I don't know if you're familiar with the Robbie Zacharias yeah. scandal. But the exact same thing where he took it, he told his massage therapist, like, if you touch me in this certain way, God will bless you. And like, this is the work of God. God told me to tell you to do this. And this is how you love your neighbor. That's exactly what he did. He spiritually, spiritually manipulated people to tell them, hey, you are not saved. You're not actually following Jesus unless you do this thing. When it's completely unbiblical. So they're saying that, oh, unless you inject yourself with all these um you know, amino acids and chemicals and, you know, whatever in the vaccine that, you know, not no sort of longitudinal studies for um, like uh, long term side effects whatsoever. You know, they say, oh, it's fully, um, you know, uh, approved by the FDA now. It's like that means nothing. They had to submit. They didn't even complete their triple blind safety and efficacy study that was supposed to be completed by, you know, May of 2023. They haven't even submitted their um, study about myocarditis and, you know, heart inflammation that's supposed to be submitted by 2025. And then they haven't even submitted their test about infant um, development for taking the vaccine for pregnant women that's supposed to be submitted in 2027. So all these things, it's like vaccines take a huge time to manufacture and a long time. And I'm not like super anti-vax. I think vaccines have, you know, some sort of efficacy. But for example, they say, oh, polio, look at polio. Polio is eradicated, but how is polio spread? Polio was not spread by people talking to each other. It was spread by poop. Yeah. And the reason why it mainly spread was because of our sewage system. We didn't have a proper sewage system. And mm -hmm. when the vaccines rolled out for polio, the polio shot became a thing and started to be distributed. Also, the sewage system in our country was revolutionized so it would be much cleaner. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't really the vaccine. The polio rates were already going down. Cases and deaths were already going down while the vaccine was being manufactured. So that was it. Can we attribute all of these things and all of this immunity to vaccines can we no we can't this is not conclusive and this is why science we can't just have these uh bureaucratic scientific elites gatekeep the science because there's so much more to science that they're not telling you because it's all driven driven by propaganda and if you look at history every single time every single regime that justified inhumane um violations of our human rights and genocides the reason the number one thing they did was they leveraged the science in order to justify what they were doing and so all that being said we're being lied to and so we're being lied to right now and i could go on and off about the uh, the efficacy of these filthy cloth masks and they don't actually work um you know vaccines like what do these things do how do they actually work we looked at you see right now today there's an article from the daily beast talking about how israel one of the highest vaccination rates in the world now their case the, caseloads, um, hospitalization rates, and deaths mm -hmm. are going up like crazy. Why? Because the vaccines weren't as effective as we thought. Oh, no, we're going to need booster shots. Oh, no, mm -hmm. then what's going to happen? We're going to need more booster shots. And mm -hmm. this is all a lie. Mm -hmm. And number one thing is that Christians say, you're not loving your neighbor if you don't get a vaccine. Why? Because you can get other people sick. First of all, if the vaccines are effective and you're safe from the virus, if you get the vaccine, why does it matter if anyone else gets the vaccine? Mm -hmm. Second of all, we've already known this, that these vaccines don't prevent transmission. They were never meant to. So they don't prevent transmission. And if you're theoretically safe from the virus, if you get vaccinated, 
how is it not where does loving your neighbor come into all of this it makes no sense but they don't listen to you they don't care about the truth why it's not about the truth to these professing christians who you know shove it into your face mm-hmm. it's all about being the modern day pharisees where can they can hold this thing like where this pandemic should have been apolitical but they can hold this pandemic and all these covid guidelines use it as a moral bludgeon to whack you over the head over and over again to guilt trip you so they get a power trip and they're like wow i'm so much better why because we're all driven by pride we're all prideful creatures pride was the reason for the fall this is a reason why we don't commune with god there's a reason why we don't read the bible the reason why we don't pray because we're like we don't need god and then when you think about how people you know attack each other insult each other hurt each other and even this politicize this virus to whack it over people's heads it's all because we're prideful creatures and we need god to humble us so a lot of these christians they need to wake up and stop spiritually manipulating people because not only is it unscientific and completely bogus and nonsensical but what are you doing you're sowing division in the church Look at what Jesus prays for in John yeah. 17. He prays for a unity like the Father has with the Son and mm-hmm. the Spirit and, and, and the Holy Trinity. That's the kind of unity that Jesus longs for. When you see this kind of stupid, petty division being sown by church leaders and professing Christians, mm-hmm. that is not of God. Mm-hmm. And these Christians are completely coming into alignment with the enemy, coming into the uh, into you know by buying into and embracing all this bitterness and resentment for Christians who don't inject chemicals into themselves. When else have you ever ever guilt tripped Christians for not getting vaccines? We never did in mm-hmm. modern American church history. But why are we doing it right now? Because you are coming into alignment with all the lies and the deception of the enemy, and that's all that's going on. It's all just to divide mm-hmm. the church. So that we we would be less effective and we would be more focused on fighting over each other and with each other about chemicals and this politicized pandemic instead of being the hands and feet of Jesus and preaching the gospel. Mm, that is so good. Yes. And it it it's so interesting because, you know, you talk about like that is that is being divisive because it is what you said coming in alignment with the enemy. But whenever Christians choose to speak truth, like biblical truth, that is being called divisive. And it, when you look at it, it's like, no, no, speaking truth is not speaking biblical truth in a loving and gracious manner, yet firm, because Jesus was firm also. And I also, that's a side note. You know, I think that uh, we think that Jesus is just this fluffy little, cute little you know, person who just loved all and he, you know, threw peace signs everywhere and flowers and, you know, he just loved all and he, no, Jesus was a warrior. Jesus was gracious. He was kind. He was humble. He was just. He was a literally the per- he was literally God in flesh. Which, when you look at Scripture in the Old Testament, and this is why it's so important that we cannot throw out the Old Testament because the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, and Jesus is God in the flesh. When you look at the whole thing of scripture, you see that God was angry and that God smited people who disobeyed him and who went against him and he he disciplined them and gave them consequences. But when they repented and humbled themselves and turned to him, he showed grace and mercy and compassion. I mean, the people of Israel, for heaven's sake, they... 
have, I mean, that's like all they did was repent and turn and then go back into idol worship. Then they repent and turn. And I feel like, you know, reading scriptures, like, oh my gosh, God was gracious again. And then, but then it's like, and then he disciplined them again. And then they came back. And then, you know, it just this, this whole cycle. But uh, anyway, you know, that's a whole other topic, a whole other another podcast episode about how Jesus is not just this fluffy little marshmallow guy that, you know, everyone sings Kumbaya with. Like he, he was a truth speaker. It says in scripture that he, that through the, through, uh, through Moses came the law through Jesus is grace and truth. So gracious and loving, but the most loving person in the world spoke that truth, but was literally killed for it. People literally hated him because of the truth that he spoke. Um, Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent, but yes, I agree that it's divisive because it puts these, it puts people in this position of confusion of, well, shoot, should I get the vaccine? Am I really a loving Christian if I don't get the vaccine? Am I really loving my neighbor if I don't get a mask? And God is not a God of confusion. Like, at all. And so when Christians are sowing confusion like that and taking scripture out of context, which is a huge thing, and I think comes from either lack of discernment or lack of taking time to study God's word or whatever it may be, fallen prey to the to the um, deceit of the enemy, um, whatever it may be, like they, they're, they're sowing discord and confusion and that it goes against the heart of God. God is not a God of confusion. It literally says that in scripture. And so whenever we see all of these things that are so confusing, you know who that comes from. It comes from the enemy. And and there's families that have been divided and friendships that have been lost because of all of this going on. And I just did a post about this the other day, but it has I've been dwelling on this a whole lot. And I just I feel like I probably a lot of people have looked at it the same way, too. But I feel like I've watched the world with jaw dropped this past year, even maybe 2021, even more so Um, just like, holy cow, how do we get here? But considering like, okay, if if we take the counsel of God's word, like the full counsel of God's word, we look at God's character, we look at who he is. Every time he works, it is for his glory, right? Like he doesn't do anything if it's not going to bring him glory. Like he always gets the glory, whatever brings him most glory. Job lost everything. God got the most glory. He pushed Job's faith. He tested Job's faith. Faith. God got the glory. Um, and that's like the first thing I can think of. But when you look through scripture, God tested so many of his children. He tested so many believers. And, and it was for the purpose of strengthening faith and testing obedience and for God to get the glory. So I've been thinking a lot about, okay, if we are consistently saying, oh, well, we have to mask up or we have to vaccinate or we have to lock down or we have to social distance because we got to get this virus under control. Like we got to do our part to end this virus, which one goes against the laws of nature. Um, like when have whenever has a virus just completely stopped because it's like, oh, yeah, y'all are doing your part. I guess I'll just go away now. Like that's never happened. Um but I think it's, like you said, attributing back to pride, it's prideful um, and foolish to think that we can 
do our part, that we can do all these things to try to stop this virus, to like stop the spread. And so anyway, so with that being said, I've just been thinking this whole time is, okay, but in the end, so if like everyone gets the vaccine and the virus comes to an end, who gets the glory? Does God get the glory? Or do everyone who got the vaccine get to give themselves a pat on the back and say, look, we did it. And so not that that's not that people who get the vaccine lack faith that God will work and not that people who don't, uh, you know, con- uh, don't adhere to the guidelines, like have more faith. But it is the fact of like, we have to stop and consider, okay, Who gets the most glory? Like if we have this virus, are we reaching for a fix because we want to try to control the circumstances around us? Or are we falling on our face and begging God, God, intervene and work on your behalf where, you know, maybe there are some that are fearful. God, we're fearful. We're scared. Um, Just like, what was it, Jehoshaphat, when he uh, fell on his face in fear and was like, God, what do we do? And literally all of Judah, women and children, everyone, cried out to God and sought the Lord because they did not know what to do and they were scared. And what would it look like if instead of rushing to a man-made fix or to something that we could we could control ourselves, what if we fell on our faces and we were like, God, we're scared. We don't know what to do. Show us your wisdom. Show us what to do intervene. And then if God does something crazy cool, it's like, wow, look what God did. Does that make sense? You know, I don't know. I just, that's a thought that I've just been just mulling over for a while is like, okay, you know, if, if, if Christians are, are constantly touting, like you have to do your part so we can stop this. It's like, okay, that puts way too much weight on an individual's shoulders. And then in the end, who gets the glory and the credit? Um, but anyway, I don't know if you had any extra thoughts on that, but. No, absolutely. I think that's, that really puts things into perspective because when you think about everything surrounding this pandemic, who gets the glory? Fauci gets the glory. Even Trump, Trump is trying to claim like, you know, oh, operational work should be this handling of the pandemic. It was mm-hmm. all me. So a lot of cultists on the right too, like yeah. super, super MAGA people, you know, worship Trump. They're like, yeah, look at Trump. Um, you know, or you're going to worship, you know, Rochelle Walensky of CDC, or you're going to worship all these other virologists and public health officials. Who, who, who are you going to worship? Mm-hmm. And who, who gets the glory? It's always going to be, it's going to be these people, mm-hmm. whether it's from the right or the left, you know, left's going to say Fauci, the right's probably going to, the super, super far right's yep. going to say, uh, Trump. Yeah. Who gets the glory? God doesn't get the glory. And I'm sure God, God can use miraculous and you know innovative medicines yes too, you know mm-hmm. he, he can work through that sure but right now you know if with the solution and especially a lot of these professing christians putting all their hope and faith and trust in these vaccines sure who gets the glory pfizer moderna astrazeneca god does not go god is never in the conversation with these about these vaccines when it comes right. to these christians who hit you over the head about these vaccines to get vaccinated. God is never in the conversation. He's only in the conversation when we, he can weaponize him to make you do what they want you to do. That's all, that's whenever, that's all, that's all the only time God comes into the conversation. So, you know, when I think about this whole conversation, I'm like, okay, you are saying 
Jesus would have done this. You were talking on behalf of like God would have done this. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let's look to the word because we always have to look to the word and check everything with scripture. Even you, if you had some crazy revolution or revelation, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you had some crazy revelation about you need to get the vaccine or else you're not loving your neighbor. Well, let's check that with scripture. Yeah. Is there any biblical precedent for that? No. Jesus literally touched the leper. He's He's, he'd spit into dirt, rubbed it together, <laughs> put it on a blend. Like, he was not like, oh, hand sanitizer. <laughs> he was not like that. If anything, during this pandemic, Jesus would have been like, healed, 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 mm-hmm. healed. That's what it just, mm-hmm. we should walk, be walking out in faith like that as well. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, let's say, for example, if this was the bubonic plague and like, you know, there's a 70, 80% death rate. It's like, okay, I, I think there's. Sure. There's room to talk about, okay, Christians, what should you do? Yeah. Should you be irresponsible? But right now, we know, again, that this has been so politicized. And again, masks don't do anything really all that much. These cloth masks, they're literally just a false sense of security for people that they're not going to spread it. And on top of that, vaccines. I had someone at my workplace who was fully vaccinated. He was young. He died of COVID. After getting the vaccine, I don't know if it was from the vaccine or if it was because of COVID or some complications, he died. He was fully vaccinated. He did his part. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are you? Why aren't you talking about, why aren't you considering this? And so when you think about it, there's no biblical precedent for this. And so this is where I'd say, okay, this is where Christian liberty comes in, where if you truly do believe that the vaccine, after extensive research, and actually, if you know the truth about it, you think it's the best decision for you and your family, go for it. I am not going to guilt trip you because I have a lot of vaccines that my mom just juiced me up with. That I had no idea what about. <laughs> but when I was younger, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to assign moral weight and call you sinful for getting the vaccine. Right. You should not be doing that to others if they do decide not to get the vaccine mm-hmm. and not mask up especially with all the scientific data surrounding it. And on top of that, natural immunity, there's tons of scientific scientific literature out there that proves that natural immunity is stronger and more effective and more durable at preventing reinfection and spread than um, the vaccines themselves. Tons of literature on that. I've gotten COVID before. Why should I get the vaccine? They're not talking about this. So Christians, they're not, a lot of these Christians are not looking for truth. They're not level-headed. They're not sober-minded. They're not coming with humility. They're driven by fear. And they're driven by fear so that the enemy can use them as a vehicle to sow division within the church. So that, again, we would be distracted from our main mission mm-hmm. to love the love, love God, love people, and make disciples. And that's what Satan is trying to distract us mm-hmm. from. And Christians need to wake up, stop buying into the lie. Stop buying into the lies and live not by lies yeah. and seek the truth and be sober-minded, walk in humility, and that will be mm-hmm. very, very helpful moving forward. Yeah, that's good. I have one more thing to just one more kind of talking point uh, before we wrap up, you know, and it kind of goes along back with what we were talking about. Oh, well, that's not loving your neighbor or that's not being very Christian. Um, and it's the whole talk of Romans 13 of uh, <laughs> of submitting to authorities. And I just listened to a podcast not too long ago by Owen Strayan, and it was so good. And I did a video back in April about, you know, uh, about what Romans 13 says about 
authorities, submitting to authorities. And so um, I want to talk a, just a little bit about that. We'll just spend like a touch on that of uh, how how do Christians respond when we have this passage of scripture in Romans 13, it says to submit to authorities um, and, and, and then it being used as a weapon to, um, to say, well, you need to comply and you need to do all of these things because if you, because that's what the Bible says and that's what, you know, scripture says. Um, I've been, the all, the thing I'll say is that we have a higher allegiance and it's to the Lord. And when you look throughout scripture, there were men and women who lived peaceably, right? They, they obeyed the government to, or they obeyed their authorities to the extent that they could. But then whenever the authorities super, tried to supersede what their allegiance to uh, God was, that was when they defied the authorities. And so you have so many believers that are saying, this goes against my conscience. This goes against my Holy Spirit conviction. At least that's personally... That's how our family has felt. Like these masks, these vaccines, these lockdowns, all of this has has literally like we have this Holy Spirit conviction of like I cannot abide by that in most cases, right? In in most scenarios. There are a few uh scenarios with, you know, masks last year that felt uh it, it, the Holy Spirit led in a, in a different direction in certain settings, right? Like, so this is just a generalization that does not, that that excludes the certain scenarios where it would be appropriate. Um, but, you know, we have, we do not answer to the government as our highest authority. And there are some people in the world who do, who do not follow God, who are not God's children, who the government is the top line authority. And so whatever they say is as what God says to them. But as believers, we have a higher authority, a higher calling to obedience that supersedes the government, goes above their authority, which I don't think they like. Um, But, and so I think they get mad about it. But when you look, I mean, when you look throughout scripture, there were men and women who were devout followers of the Lord who were, disobedient to the government and not in a way that they were like, oh, we're going to go out and cause trouble and we're going to just roll up our sleeves and start a fight. You know, it was, no, we are, we are, are, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. It may be illegal or this may be your role, but I have to follow the Lord. And if that disobeys you, then that disobeys you. So can you talk a little bit just briefly and then we'll kind of wrap up, but Talk about how to respond to those comments of like, you need to submit to the government. You need to submit to authorities to, to, because that's what the Bible says. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of it already. But when you look at uh, the word that Paul uses when he says, uh, I'm looking at, I pulled it up right here. um, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities is about submission to the authorities. The same word that he uses in Ephesians 5 when he, Ephesians 5, when he talks about wives submitting to their husbands. Yeah. Does that mean the wives always obey the husband no matter what? Of course not. Well, that's absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you look at it, even, you know, the government is a God-instituted institution. So it's a God-ordained institution. Mm-hmm. But what does is, what is it say? So I'm going to just read it right here. In Romans 13, 3, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. 
for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Key, he is an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So therefore, one must be in sub uh, subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, blah, blah, blah. And Paul talks about taxes. So the government's role, very clearly, according to Paul, is to enact justice and crush evil. To to be an avenger who carries, carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So then, you know, when you think about what Paul says here, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. But if they are the ones doing the bad conduct, why should we obey them? That's not what Paul says here when he says, be subject to governing authorities, and if you resist it, then you are disobeying God. That's, he doesn't say, do it when the government, even when the government is going against the word of God. He doesn't say that. He literally says very clearly there that, yes, like, like the purpose of government is to enact justice and crush evil. Therefore, that's when you obey government. So, for example, um, when they say don't murder, yeah, don't murder. They, when the government says, hey, don't steal, yeah, I'm not going to steal, got right. it, you know, mm -hmm. good. Um, and then, you know, when it, things aren't very clear-cut, like, for example, speeding limits, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I'll, if I speed, I'm breaking the law. And is it is it, like, like unbiblical to be like, hey, I'm going to give you a speeding ticket? No, it's like, okay, I'll take that because that's the law of the land. Right. But, like, Christians take this and then they just say that you have to blindly obey the government. No, absolutely not. There's so many examples. Like you said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was like, no, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not going to bow, bow, bow down to that. And then they got, you know, thrown into the mm -hmm. fire. And then, but then the angel was like, hey, we're chilling here together. <laughs> you think about Esther. Esther, um, God used Esther, right, to say no to the Persian king to save mm -hmm. the Jews from extermination. Um, when you think about uh, even, you know, Peter and the apostles in Acts uh, against the Sanhedrin, they're like, why are you preaching the gospel? No, that's illegal. And they're like, we have a higher authority. Mm -hmm. Our authority is God, right? Not you. Mm -hmm. You think about all these people, even Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament where? In prison. And why was he in prison? Because he disobeyed the law. <laughs> yeah. And so you look at all these, all these, you know, stories of biblical heroes and uh, men of the men and women of the faith, they always bucked against the governing authorities when it came in direct contradiction to the word of God and the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So a big part of it is that, you know, the word of God tells us to, you know, live in spirit, worship in spirit and in truth. You know, mm -hmm. we're supposed to not bear false, false witness. We are supposed to be bearers and lights of truth. So if the government's lying to your face, you're not supposed to just blindly accept that and obey. That's not our calling as Christians. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5 as well, he says to not to partake in any of the unfruitful works of evil, but expose expose the darkness. Yes. So what does that mean? When the government is trying to destroy you and your family, when the government is trying to destroy you and your family and, and your business, and they're saying you have to lock down, you have to mask up, you can't go and have parties, you can't go into a grocery store without mask up, all that. And then Obama throws a birthday palooza on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah. Or Nancy Pelosi has a huge donor party. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In Napa Valley. When you have, you know, Gavin Newsom dining at French Laundry, uh, all these, these, these deceitful, duplicitous, duplicitous politicians 
lying to your face, telling you, you have to do all these things while I don't have to. Why are you obeying them? Why? And then they say, oh, but you know, Paul wrote Romans 13 when Emperor Nero was in, off, it was, you know, in charge of Rome. And I was like, yeah, but he never said to do everything that Emperor Nero said to do. There's a reason why Christians were thrown into the Colosseum. There's a reason, mm-hmm. reason why Christians were burned alive. There's a reason why Christians were thrown in prison because they went against the governing authorities. And even when you look at war, I know this is not a very, very popular opinion among Christians, but war in and of itself is not a bad thing. Yeah. What did God command uh, to do um, in terms of, he commanded the invasion of Canaan, right? Mm-hmm. Why? The Canaanites were literally engaging in fornication, uh, sexual misconduct, sleeping around, like all this, you know, sodomy, all this disgusting stuff. Um, they were, you know, engaging in just ungodly behavior and what? They were sacrificing their children to Moloch, mm-hmm. right? Killing their babies, the disgusting, disgusting stuff. So God's like, screw that. <laughs> evil that needs to be purged. Take them out. Yeah. So there is justification for just war. Mm-hmm. And so even yeah, I know a lot of Christians say, oh yeah, but you know the early church accepted everything. I'm like, yeah, they accepted everything in humility, and they're like, you know, what? I'm gonna die for the gospel. And I know Jesus didn't come to liberate. Israel from Rome, but he came to liberate us from our sin, right? He he was not there to be a political figure, but to be our spiritual um, our propitiation so that we can be one with the Father again. All that, I get that. But when you look at the Bible in its totality, like mm-hmm. you said, God mm-hmm. of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Yes. The same God. Yes. So God has used war. God has lifted up and raised up people like David. Um, and the judges to for war for just causes. And so when it comes time for that, for example, you look at Nazi Germany. I think it was a just reason for the Americans to, for America to intervene and say, hey, stop murdering people in gas chambers, stop slaughtering people. That's not okay. Hey, Japan, yeah. stop going to Korea raping their women and mm-hmm. murdering their civilians. That's not okay. And then so I don't know where this idea comes from where Christians say, we're just going to disengage from politics, blindly obey and bow down to the government, even when they're direct opposition to scripture. And also they're living in lies. They're deceiving you. Why are you coming into alignment with that? Mm -hmm. That is not biblical. And when you look at the totality of scripture, you look at Romans 13 and it's not saying you obey the government no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's you obey the government when they're in accordance to enacting justice and crushing evil accordance with God's standard of justice and morality. And if they don't, then you see throughout the Bible, throughout scriptures, throughout scripture, the early church and biblical heroes, Israelites going against what the governing authorities have to say to them. Yes, that's so good. That was such a good point to add. And I love the verse that talks about being innocent as doves and uh, shrewd as serpents and how we are not to be, uh, you know, we're not just supposed to be like rowdy, ruckus causers, like going out and looking for a fight, just looking for how we can disobey the government or looking for, you know, we are to be 
innocent. Like we are to we are to not sin against our brother and sister. We're to not sin against the authorities. We're to not, um, you know, carry out hatred and evil against other people. However, being shrewd is like understanding motive. Like understanding like what are their motives. Like being um being wise, being uh on guard. Like we we're to to be to to be innocent and to not sin, but we he tells us to be shrewd because I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And that's what it is. Like I don't know why Christians get so caught up in calling all this stuff conspiracy, which that's a whole another episode for a podcast because it literally drives me crazy and everybody's like, that's conspiracy. And I'm like, well, no, it's not. Um, But when you look at literally civilizations that our world has been built on, and like you said, Canaan, when they were sacrificing their children to Moloch, like all, like people from the get-go have been wicked, like so wicked. And for us to be surprised at the fact that the government could be lying to us, like, (laughs) what? Like, yeah, there have been corrupt governments literally all throughout history. Like, that, I, that is the theme throughout human right, history. Right, right. Like it's the actual, that's actually what has happened for all of life except in the garden. And so because we all suck, like we're all wicked, we're all sinful apart from Christ. And it just, it honestly baffles my mind. And I, I think a lot of it is willful willful ignorance of not wanting to look at what's actually going on. And so um, like willfully being ignorant of what's going on, because honestly, it's a lot more blissful. It's a lot more nice to not, like to believe that the government has our best interests in mind. And that doesn't mean that everybody in government is terrible and that all the government wants for us is bad things. That's not saying that. It's just saying... There's a lot going on that ain't righteous. There's a lot that's going on that is deceptive and deceitful. And so, you know, for for Christians, especially in these days and age, is to understand, like, we are to not sin, but we are to be shrewd. We are to um, almost be like, uh, I don't want to use the word crafty because the word the serpent was described as crafty, but to but to know motives, to uh, to to work wisely in a way that um i guess you know witty maybe would be a good word too like understanding uh you know astute um like sharp-witted um to 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 understand what's going on um and and like you said earlier a, a while back about exposing darkness like it is if if we are not so God has put like the light of the world literally lives inside of us and we live in a dark world. And so to shed light on darkness is part of our mission, like, and God uses us to do that. And so we can't just go and be ignorant and willfully ignorant just because we want to be comfortable and not want to really know what's going on. But um, anyway, so, okay, let's wrap up. Um, What just give like, a challenge or an encouragement or like a push, like a last thing that you want to say to believers, like as we're about to walk into these days, and and this is not to be a Debbie Downer, but I do believe these days are going to get pretty rocky ahead of us. Um, I think with mandates, with um, 
uh, lockdowns. I mean, I don't know what all is coming, honestly. But I, th- I think the mandates are probably the most um, pressing that we're staring down the barrel at. Um, and so wh- wh- how do you want to encourage and challenge Christians going into these days to be strong and to not cave? Yeah, I think, you know, when you think about everything going on, like even today, um, the Democrats on the January 6th commission, they ordered, uh, they subpoenaed a bunch of Trump supporters, like regular, regular, like regular American citizens. And, you know, demand they're demanding their private uh, communication records. And it's really scary. Even after the FBI vindicated Trump and his supporters for January 6th, they're still these politicians are still going after American citizens. And it's getting worse, escalating, right? Um, where, uh, you know, Congress is proposing a bill that would make vaccines mandatory for air travel. So you can't even fly anymore if you don't get the vaccine. So things will get bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of scary to think about. And I know when people have different eschatological, eschatological takes, they'll be like, oh, it's going to happen anyways. Why bother? Yeah. But the thing is, yeah, we know that in the end times, there will be one world government, one world economy. And then yeah. if you don't get the mark of the beast, then you won't be able to participate. I We all know that's coming. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you come into alignment with that. Sure. Because why? The head of the this world government and this one world economy will be the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Don't come into the alignment with that spirit. Fight against it. Yeah. Be bold. And mm-hmm. I, that's the thing I just don't understand. They're like, well, I'm just going to cave and just do whatever the spirit of the age is telling me. I'm like, no, like it's gonna come whatever but like i don't want us to be living as a church when it comes and be like yeah i didn't do anything to fight against it yeah and i didn't stand up for biblical truth and so you know i i always tell people this like speak up now if there's any time to speak up it's now because there mm-hmm. still is a semblance of our constitution although it's being torn to shreds and i don't i i you know if i have to you know, be burned at a stake for other people, whatever, so be it, you know, whatever, I'm going to heaven. But I don't want to live in a in an America where my children can't even go grab a burger from a local McDonald's without injecting a certain vaccine. Mm-hmm. There's never been anything like that ever in American history. Mm-hmm. And it's really scary to think about. And so for the sake of your children and your families and your loved ones, I, I, you know, I would encourage everyone to speak out because a lot of Christians are willing to partner with God in his grace mm-hmm. and his mercy, mm-hmm. um, but they're not willing to partner with him in his justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to be able to partner with him in his justice and be like, no, like this is wrong. We will stand up for what is right, what is good, what is true and what is beautiful according to what God says it is, not what the world says. So I just encourage everyone to stand up, speak up, be vocal, be loud in your local communities. Like you said, Kristen, like Jesus was not some pushover, you know, soft, fluffy animal. Like he was mm-hmm. a warrior. Yeah. He was a war. He was the epitome of masculine perfection where he flipped tables when he saw corruption in the temple. He told people like he called the Pharisees, the brood of vipers, exposed their hypocrisy and their evil. We have to be, we have to be the same way. We have to be strong against evil forces, but also be very loving and compassionate to a world that's broken, hurting mm-hmm. and confused. So um, just be vocal, be bold. The time to be inactive, passive, and silent is over. Mm-hmm. Unless you want the state and all these corporate elites coming to your do- doorstep, holding you at gunpoint and saying, you give me your kids and you sacrifice your rights just because you didn't mask up or get a vaccine. So that's coming. Mm-hmm. That's coming if we don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to see is 
an America where uh, some sort of mass scale genocide happens. Because right now we're seeing the steps to be primed, priming. These steps are priming this country for a mass genocide. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't think that can happen here, that's exactly what every single church in Nazi German, Germany and Soviet Russia mm -hmm. and Maoist China and North Korea, every single church was like, wow, like that could never happen here. The government has our best interests. And what happened? Millions and millions and millions of people start to death, slaughtered, just atrocious stuff happened. So I don't want that to happen. I'm sure you as a professing believer doesn't want that to happen either. Let's not partner with the schemes of the enemy. Let's partner with God and his love and his grace and his justice. Mm, I love that. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for listening to the podcast. You can subscribe and share it. And uh, I am so excited that you joined us today. Thanks and have a good day.